if all that mattered to me was the best time possible uh, in two weeks, then yes, I'd probably go into the other field and just run with some people who I know who are right around my fitness level. But luckily I've had fun at Boston a couple of times and I realized like that's not all there is. Like it's not about only about squeaking out every second. It's about having an awesome experience and I'm pretty pumped to compete. I mean I think in the best way possible when I think about that like last stretch by BU and how like horrible it is and how painful it can be to try to like muster, you know, you got like two miles to go and you're like, I just, I just want to be done. Um, my dream would be that there's someone ahead of me and they're, you know, another master's runner that has a number on their back and I'm like, I got to catch that guy. Because that's what makes it also super fun. What's up, everyone? That was Peter Bromka. I'm your host, Mario Fraioli, and you are listening to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Fun episode for you this week. My friend, Peter Bromka, who first appeared on episode 92 of the podcast back in 2019, comes back on the show to geek out on all things Boston Marathon with me. Both of us will be competing in this year's race on Monday, October 11th, and Peter will be in the elite field as one of the top-ranked Masters runners, which is super cool. Peter is a 219 marathoner who just missed qualifying for the 2020 Olympic trials. He's also well known for his writing about running and one of his more recent pieces called the bubble of a dream will be included in the year's best sports writing 2021, which is due out next month. Peter's also got a great newsletter called the positive split, which you can subscribe to at peterbromka.com. We spent the entirety of this episode talking about Boston, how we're feeling in the final couple weeks of training leading up to the race, what we're most looking forward to and also anxious about at this year's event, the return of major marathons in general, Boston being held in the fall for the first time, and a lot more. Before we dive in, a quick thank you to the sponsors that make this show possible. This episode is brought to you by Runderwear, the original performance underwear for running. I'll tell you right now, I was anti-running underwear for the longest time until I tried Runderwear. Most running shorts have built-in liners and you don't need much else, but half tights and tights and some other pairs of shorts present a problem without many good solutions. I'm personally a half tight guy. I wear them for all my speed workouts, long runs and races, and most of them, guess what? They don't have liners, and that's where Runderwear comes in and saves the day. Runderwear's running briefs are so comfortable. They're lightweight, snug, seamless, moisture wicking, and just the perfect solution to wear under half tights, shorts with no or poor liners, or long tights. There's absolutely no rubbing or chafing at all. And in addition to the briefs, Runderwear also makes seamless performance running underwear, basewear, bras, and socks that are incredibly comfortable, moisture wicking, and chafe free. Designed in the UK, now with operations and distributions in the US, you can pick up some Runderwear for yourself at runderwear.com and use the code TMS20, that's capital T, capital M, capital S, 20 for 20% off at checkout. That's a great deal, and I promise you that you can't go wrong with adding some Runderwear to your wardrobe. 
This episode is also brought to you by Precision Hydration. And as the name suggests, they're experts in helping you nail your hydration strategy. That said, I was stoked to hear that they're now doing for fueling what they've done for hydration. And I've been using their new Precision Fuel products for my last few long runs. And it's also what I'll be using on race day in Boston. Both the gels and drink mix work great. And I was an instant convert. They have subtle taste, provide steady energy, and haven't given me any gut issues. Head over to precisionhydration.com and check out the quick carb calculator. All you need to do is enter what type of event you're training for, how long you're expecting to be racing, and at what intensity. And they'll tell you how many grams of carbohydrate you should be taking in per hour and how their products will help you address those needs. You can even book a free 20-minute video call with them on the footer of their website at precisionhydration.com to ask any questions that you have about hydration and fueling for your next event. And as a listener of the show, you can get 15% off your first order by using the code TMS15, that's capital T, capital M, capital S, 1-5, when checking out at precisionhydration.com. Okay, please enjoy this conversation between me and Peter Bromka geeking out about all things Boston Marathon. Peter Romka, we're here to talk all things Boston Marathon. Both of us are going to be running this year's event on October 11th, which feels really, really weird to say, but it is a pleasure to welcome you back to the Morning Shakeout podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited races are coming back. So we are having this conversation about two and a half weeks out from the race. I don't know about you. I did my last real big long run this past weekend. And by real big, I mean one that had huge chunks of work at marathon pace in it. And while I'm not exactly tapering yet, I'm not going to do anything quite that massive between now and race day. And I want to start just by understanding where you're at right now from a training standpoint. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I'm actually, it's funny you being a coach, I always feel a little bit more nervous talking to you about what I'm going to do because I'm right on that edge of like, do I try to get greedy and do a little more work or do I, you know, take my own advice that I give to others and say like, we're within two weeks. Um, really it's more about resting and coming in fresh and hungry than it is like sort of proving to yourself that you're fit. Um, I would say I'm going into this fall very excited. Um, and then also for the first time in a long time, a little unsure of where my fitness is at. Um, I know that last time we talked, I was literally inside this, what I ended up calling the bubble of a dream of just like heads down, marathon focus for two years and just climbing, climbing, climbing. And I look back at some of those workout uh, stretches on Strava and I'm like, who was this person? You know, like, and who yeah. were these guys, this team I was a part of? We were just like every weekend crushing, crushing, crushing. And so now it's just been like, you know, a lot's changed in two years, still working out hard and enjoying it. But um, I think it's much more, I'm in a more normal space maybe to say that I have had some good workouts, have had some, you know, life happen and travel. And so I'm like, okay, I think this is how it's going to be. You got to go in and, you know, rest up and then try to make the most of it on the day. Going back to 
that conversation we had a little less than two years ago now. It was right after CIM 2019. You made, it wasn't your last ditch effort, but one of your last ditch efforts to try and qualify for the 2020 trials. And you came so freaking close. I mean, you were like 219.02. And as you just mentioned, the years leading up to that, that was your focus as a competitive athlete to try and get under that 219 mark and qualify for the trials. And you made some huge jumps. I mean, even from the 223 that you ran it's like back, cutting, cutting, cutting. I can't remember. Yeah. What year it was like, okay, well, let's see if I've got another four minutes in me and I can make this Olympic trials dream happen. And you had, as you mentioned, some of your Bowerman track club teammates who were also working toward the same goal. And there really was this like collective energy toward it. Everything was going toward that sub two nineteen, and you took multiple shots yep. at it. You even took another one after, <laughs> after we, we had that conversation. You went to Houston and really gave it one last ditch effort. And as you mentioned, I mean, there really hasn't been any races since then. I don't know what you've done or what opportunities have been available to you, but here it's like, it's, it's Boston and it's kind of an end point. Like, it's not like you're using this race to try and qualify for something else, or it's a shot at something further down the road, but like, take me into your psychology heading into this and how things have flipped for you specifically over the past two years. Well, I think it's really funny because the reason we're all excited is all of these marathon majors all happening in the same, you know, six weeks, seven weeks span. Um, and to me, it's like a buffet. And what I'm seeing from each person is like, oh, that's where, you know, that's the side of the buffet you're going to. Oh, you're more of a New York person. Or I love how Chicago, Boston couldn't be more different. They're on the same weekend. So right now I feel this camaraderie with people around the country, around the world who are all gearing towards that weekend. And yet some of them are like just dialed in every second. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're going to Chicago. Okay. And then some of us are like, got to throw some hills in there and got to have some fun. So I am very much excited to race Boston because I always say Boston like fills me up. Boston gives me energy. Um, and as much as I, I mean, I cherish my OTQ attempts. Each one of them was like an amazing experience, but they, they were like debits. They like took a chunk of my soul to just like go out there and fight for it. And so a little bit of Boston... Sometimes people ask me about Boston and I can tell they're deep inside their own head. And I'm like, oh, you know, but remember, like, it's so much fun. And it's, it, if you take the time, if you can manage to stay present throughout the experience, each stretch is slightly different. Like, I'm basically in love with Boston. I've written about it so many times. Um, and so I'm looking forward to it. And I think I hope to make the most of the day and actually very much appreciate that there's not exactly a time I'm chasing, like, maybe I'm in PR shape. I don't actually know. Um, and But I know that I'm ready to go, and I've done the work to race hard. Um, so I have a lot of respect for the people who are, like, um, headed to Chicago for a PR or headed to other places to really dial in that race. I, um, Boston, for me, is the perfect way to kick off the excitement of races being possible again. How about yourself? How did you decide? Well, I wasn't going to run a fall yeah. marathon in 2021. It just wasn't in my field of vision. It didn't interest me. I was quite comfortable just running around like 45, 50 miles a week for much of the last year and a half. I did a couple one-mile time trials, even did like a 5K yeah. time trial. And for me, that felt like 
the amount of time that I was willing to invest in my training. And it wasn't enough to run a successful marathon or given my experience coaching and with the marathon specifically, I know what my minimum is at this point of my life if I really want to race one. It just didn't interest me. But when it became apparent that there was likely to be a fall marathon season, that Boston had been rescheduled to October, having grown up in the area and that being the first running event that ever captured my imagination, I said to myself, when else in my lifetime will there ever be a fall Boston Marathon? I hope there is never another fall Boston Marathon. And I knew as much as I wasn't interested in putting in the work to train for a marathon, I knew that if the opportunity was there and I didn't take it, that I would be kicking myself for the rest of my life. That's awesome. And when they announced that the qualifying window was going to be as big as it was, and I realized that my personal best from CIM in 2018 was actually going to count toward Boston. I had another mark that would have been just as fine. I was like, I got to do it. Like oh. something in the universe is telling me that I have to, I have to do this. Yeah. And I committed like right then and there and started to just shift my mindset and wrap my head around what I would need to do in the coming months to prepare myself for Boston. And I mean, we can go into it later in this conversation, knock on wood. It's, it's gone well, uh, yeah. I'm in the same boat with you, like two and a half weeks to go. I'm like, you know, there's temptation there to push a little bit more, but I know as a coach and as an athlete that there's more to lose at this point than there is to gain. But I just like, I'm also ready to be done marathon training. <laughs> so I was like, well, there was a reason I didn't want to train for a marathon this fall. It's really hard work. And yeah. I, I mean, I think this is where you and I differ. Like, you're a marathon. I was realizing, um, yeah, like those of us who follow your stuff closely, um, I just have to say, I get a big kick out of um, how much you share because, you know, when you were sharing your training around the mile time trials, I was like, oh, yeah, Mario's hitting his sweet spot. And we talked about this on the last time you had me on. Like, I remember you as that miler. And so then to see. I'm you, wired that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, I, you're, and you're wired like a marathoner. <laughs> totally. Um, it's like comfort zones. And so the like when I saw you, we're signed up for Boston. I'm like, no way, that's awesome. He's taking advantage. But I, I don't know if he's going to love it. And then when I, I was actually, so I get up in the morning early on Tuesdays to get in mileage and I read your <laughs> newsletter. And so when I read your quote that you said like marathon training is stupid, <laughs> I was like about to head out for some more miles. I, and I was like, I really appreciated the honesty because um, I can imagine <laughs> Exactly. I think it was like four weeks out, like someone saying that and being totally right. That's exactly where I was. It was four weeks out. I was going out for what was supposed to be a key long run. And for a variety of reasons, I just wasn't feeling it. Like physically, I was pretty tapped out and mentally and emotionally. I just I just wasn't into it. And and you need to be into it, especially at that point when you've got a pretty, you know, hefty serving of miles on your plate. And I said it out loud. I was like, marathons are stupid. stupid. And I think I mean a lot of runners can relate to that, but if you ran in high school and college or competitively on the track and that's how you're wired, I mean, that is your background to, yeah, to yeah. be fair, but I am definitely like that type of athlete. <laughs> I was like, yep, that is that is the whiny little miler in me um, yeah. who signed up for this marathon being like, what did I get myself into? 
Totally. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, the Bowerman crew that I'm a part of, we have at times, a few years ago, we said like, it felt like we had lightning in a bottle, like that when you capture something and it's just magic. Um, you know, in the past two years, life has evolved and some people have moved away. Some people have, you know, succumbed to injury or maybe on the injury comeback train. And so it is about like surround, and I've seen, you've done it. I've been able to follow on Strava. Like it's about surrounding yourself with other people who are like this stupid mm-hmm. thing we're going to do on the weekend makes total sense. Um, there's no reason to question it. And we're all going to show up with like the shoes necessary and the bottles of nutrition necessary and all the things. And it's not going to be that weird, even though it's totally weird. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. And I mean, speaking for myself, the biggest difference these past 11 weeks for me is that I've had consistent training partners. And by consistent, I mean every week. I don't think we've missed a week. We've had a couple people miss runs here and there for various reasons. But every week, there's been a core group of us that's gotten together to do a workout on Wednesday. And I mean, God bless those guys because none of them are training for Boston, much less, I shouldn't say none of them are training for a marathon. Some of them are starting their really ramp up to CIM right now, but they would just do whatever my workout was for that day, or they would do some, if not all of my long run with me. And I haven't had that in a long time. I mean, I've always been in places where there's groups of people to train with. I've been part of clubs in the past. Uh, That was years and years ago when I was actually living in the Boston area. Oh, yeah, yeah. But having this small group of guys to get together with every Wednesday morning, like we did today for a workout and usually Sundays for a long run, just having them there strip Boston out of it, racing out of it. It's been everything for me. And I was telling those guys this morning, I'm having more fun running now than I think I, I ever have. And don't take this the wrong way. Anyone listening to this who's also running Boston, uh, please don't take this the wrong way. I said to those guys, if if Boston got canceled, I wouldn't even care. Yeah, like I really so. wouldn't even care because this is what I want to keep going. But that also excites me for the race because it tells me that I'm in a good headspace. Mm. Like I'm not putting too much emphasis on the race. If we've had to shuffle things around in workouts to accommodate people, even though they weren't necessarily super specific to the task, mm. you know, we did it um, because it kind of kept us kept us together and we fed off of that that energy. But I mean, similar to what you described with you know some of your BTC teammates and other folks that you're training with uh, and have trained with in the past. I mean, for me. I haven't had it this consistently, and I think that has just really contributed to my overall excitement to train hard, uh, yeah. you know, week in and week out. Because when you've been at this for, you know, as long as you and I have, I mean, twenty plus years at at this point, if you go all the way back to high school, it <laughs> gets harder as you yeah. get older. Like physically, it's harder. Like mentally, it gets. Speaking for myself, it gets harder yeah, to get yeah. up for for workouts, and especially when they're long and demanding, as the marathon like requires of you. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, we're so lucky to have races coming back, um, and it'll still be a little bit TBD of which races come back and what styles, um, because I think a lot of people are trying to think, okay, so this will be the fall of 21, and what does 22 look like? Um, so people are starting, my friends of mine are starting to throw around ideas, and it is very much still up in the air. So it's just like, oh, but it's nice to have the conversation back mm-hmm. again, um, and I these events aren't simple. Um, you know, we can talk about that. Like it's, 
to be very the safest as you can be. Um, still, still precautions necessary, but um, I think I'm wearing. I, we talked about this before we started. I'm wearing a shirt that says "Socially Distance Distance Runners." Um, back from May 2020 when I got it from someone because that was back when we really weren't sure if we could mm-hmm. you know run with other people. Um, so I take a lot of solace in the fact of like what we know now and how many ways that we can be safe. Um, and I'm excited to like be flexible but also get back to stuff. Yeah, likewise. I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to do this. Even if it looks and feels different than Boston specifically or marathons in general have in the past. And I want to talk about that later in this conversation, but I think that's a very good point. Like we're going to have this opportunity, many of us for the first time in quite a while. And it feels good. It feels a little weird to be, to be honest, like surreal almost that is this actually going to happen? I mean, I'm still like, you know, kind of waiting for the rug to get pulled out on us at the last (laughs) minute, but I'm feeling more and more confident every day that that's not going to happen. And let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I was going to ask you where you are. I find there's like a spectrum where you can be either like super nervous for, for the race or not, or nervous that you're not nervous enough. Like, where do you fall on? Like, are you nervous or like I should be more nervous. I'm not nervous at all, really. And I think a lot of that goes back to what I just said about my training partners and being able mm. to meet up with them week in and week out. I mean, I won't be doing an interval workout the Wednesday after yeah. Boston, but I told those guys this morning, I'm like, look, I'm I'm gonna be here, you know, maybe I can jog the warm up with you or, you know, worst case scenario, I'll I'll be on the bike. But for me, having that long term view and being like, Well, you know, Boston's great and it's exciting, but being at this place at this point of my life where I've got people to meet up with and it's something we all look forward to every week. Like that's, what's going to keep me going over the long term. But I also think that's helped quell the nerves for Boston a Mm. bit because Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't raced in a long time. Like I haven't done an actual race. I guess I did take the bridge last year here in San Francisco. And you got it hard. I haven't, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very hard. I went out too hard, uh, which we could save that for another podcast. But my last marathon was New York 2019. Yeah. And I typically do a half in the buildup to a marathon. This is the first time I think in all the marathons I've done that I haven't done a tune-up half. And I don't know, as I'm thinking out loud here, maybe because of that, I'm not feeling as nervous. Mm. I mean, but who knows, fast forward two weeks from now, I could be a, a nervous wreck as you know. I realize, oh, I'm going to get on a plane here in a couple of days and fly across country to do this this really hard thing. But at, at this point, no, I just um, am loving running and the process of it. And I look at this as just uh, another day, yeah. really. Um, and I'll feed off the energy once I'm there, but I'm, I'm not Oof. nervous for the actual like lining up of the race and performing. How about yourself? Um, I... Maybe I gave it away in my question. I am in this zone of I need to get. I'm a little nervous because it's a little less of um, my preparation's just been a little bit more scattered. It was like I haven't trained through a summer in a long time, so that just mm-hmm. required like some flexibility. Of we had some family trips where I did, you know, I did some hard 23 milers by myself, but it's just a little bit different than everything being super dialed. Um, mm-hmm. We we would typically. I think about four, six weeks out, we would do a like eight or 10 K on the track, um, like basically all out, uh, as a way of like blowing up the systems in lead up to a race 
it's like logistically simpler to just get on the track and grind and then be like, okay, that's what that feels like again. I remember I can go there. Um, but honestly, like I love all the stages of Boston so much that I think through some of the middle mile, like think through like Framingham and stuff. And I'm like, okay, Peter, like you're going to have to get ready to work um, way before you're like at BC. Like I, I think it's everybody is different, but I know that I can like rally hard up, even up to some of the hills and then the I mean we have talked about in the past like I went to Tufts University the Tufts team usually cheers at like 20 and a half um, mm-hmm. sometimes there's like Tufts alum in like Coolidge Corner like I could talk endlessly about the, the course but it's more some of those earlier towns when I know that to run like my truly best time it's not going to be comfortable it's going to be like annoyingly hard that i i'm trying to get mentally in that space of like okay um you can do it it's just gonna it's gonna be a little shocking yeah that's super interesting i was thinking back the other day to some of my past boston experiences i've had some races go really well at boston i've had others go not so well at boston my worst marathon of all time was boston 2017 because i got caught up in the early excitement it was hot out uh, I went out way too hard and I paid dearly for it the rest of the way. And I was thinking about that on my long run the other day. And I came up with this little set of mantras that I plan to use on race day. And for me, I divide the course into uneven thirds. Oh, so cool. for me, the first 16 miles, my mantra is going to be relax. It's fast. It's downhill. It's easy to get excited. There are a lot of opportunities to really just have too many miles that are faster than you should be going at that point because you're you're caught up in it and then you mm-hmm. pay for it later. So I'm going to be like, all right, 1 through 16, it's just relax. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean it won't be hard, but I'm going to try and just stay relaxed. Relax in my mind, relax in my body. And then for me, the middle third is 16 to 21. So basically the hills, mm-hmm. more yeah. or less. And from there my mantra is maintain. Mm. And what I, I want to maintain is just a steady rhythm. Again, maintain a steady mind. I know those are some of the slower miles of the course. Like you have to give some back during those stretches. Um, if, if you don't, it's, you know, it's really going to bite you toward the end. Um, but once you get to 21, you go past Boston College, you got five miles to go and you got a nice downhill and then things sort of flatten out the race is on at that point and my word is attack and i want to be in a position where i can attack with five miles to go or as much as possible with five miles i talk about this like i'm trying to win the race or something no no you gotta be way the hell back but i think that's the that's the mindset and i was thinking through a lot of that on my my long run the other day Mm -hmm. where we where we were doing a big chunk of marathon pace miles and i was like all right relax, maintain, and then the last two-mile section we did, attack. Nice. Um, and I'm trying to really ingrain that in my head now. And for me, like, you know, that just gives me a lot of confidence going in. And I tend not to second-guess myself when I have a, a plan like that in place yeah, beforehand. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, those are the, those sections... Yeah, like it'll come to you. I mean, it's just so interesting, to, like I mentioned, to be talking to my friends who are going to run Chicago the day before. First of all, I think it's going to be so inspiring to us because, like, so many people are going to throw down such so many good races or like go out hard and blow up. Um, <laughs> there's not going to be. We're just going to be sitting there, like, sipping a cup of coffee, like 
let me run a marathon. I'd be like, well, you get to run one tomorrow. You get the uh, opportunity <laughs> tomorrow. Exactly. Um, but like Chicago is just so different that I'm, again, I'm very excited about my choice to step back into marathoning with Boston and the hills will be hard. You know, the downhills will be hard in the later, but um, there's something about the the flat grind heading north back into the city in Chicago that's just so, so hard um, that I've said to my friends, like, just please, like, leave a little bit of squeeze um, for that last little bit in Chicago because it's, like, it's so flat and it's just, like, it's so easy to take anything that, from what I recall, to take anything that you have left and use it, like, at miles 18 and 19, 20. Mm -hmm. So. Let's rewind a little bit and talk about your decision to race Boston this fall. When it became apparent that there was likely to be a fall marathon season and we saw the full slate of them laid out in front of us, did you give any serious consideration to other races? Or once Boston was announced for October, mm. you knew that was where you were going to go? I'm a homer for Boston, even though I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, so I... It's actually funny. I was like, tweeted it or texted it out to the guys like, we're doing this. And then, um, Chris Maxwell, a close friend, training partner of mine who you coach was like, we're doing this. And I'm like, we're doing this. Um, and knowing full well that like we're all adults and everyone has to make their own decision. Um, I was interested by, again, certain people had already signed up for Chicago because it had gone online when there was way less certainty about the world. Um, it was like February, I think. Yeah. Just like, I mean, vaccines were coming out, so like things were gonna probably happen. Um, but I mean, what I know is that I took, I feel very, um, I feel super fortunate in that like I didn't hit the OTQ, but I took three real shots at 219. And so I still believe, I still dream of breaking 219, but I, I know how hard it would be. Um, and I know that I wanna, that after a crazy, 2020, I need to build back to that level. Um, so I didn't have as much, I just, it's like I needed to refill my soul for just racing, not, yeah. not just like that, a PR attack. And I have a lot of friends who, I mean, a whole bunch of friends who like over the last two years have just gotten fitter, they've gotten more into running. And so they're like, no, I want that PR. Like I, I'm ready to go for that flat race. And I was like, that's awesome. Uh, if you know that you're there, then more power to you. I mean, there, I was thinking back to last, spring of 2020 when everyone was running virtual solo marathons and PRing and then being like, but it doesn't really count. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If you ran 26.2 miles alone and it was your fastest time covering the distance, like it definitely counts. Um, and I think a lot of those people are excited to translate that to a registered race. Um, right. But I knew that, yeah, if you said like, go out and ride the 518 train, in two weeks, I'd be like, oh, I just, I need to build back to it. Um, it's not where my heart is at. This actually sets up my next question really well. Does it feel good from that standpoint to not be on the chasing the clock train? Um, yeah. Obviously, you're going to go into Boston with a plan and you've raced it many times. So you know, like, okay, I can kind of open things up here. I need to conserve a little bit here. I need to pay attention to what my watch is telling me so that I don't crush my legs early on. But you're also going to be in the elite field, which I want to talk about 
a little more specifically, which means you're going to start with a bunch of other people where the rest <laughs> of us are on a rolling start trying to figure out who it is that we're, we're going to run with. So you'll be in a race. I mean, yeah. you're going to be racing some of the other top masters runners. Does it feel good to be shifting more into that mindset where your focus is on racing or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, so no, I no. apologize if I am, but racing other people versus racing a clock and chasing a time. Yeah, I mean, the idea that at Boston you really have to stay centered on your own internal gauge and like very in tune with how you're feeling personally, um, it's something I've practiced at Boston in the past. I've written about how you know Boston 2019 was kind of humid. It wasn't that hot. Um, but mm-hmm. I had the fortune of running with my training partner and friend Patrick, and we actually turned to each other and were like, uh, "Like I got to back off." I, and he's like, "Yeah, we." So we we notched it back five seconds a mile. Um, was sort of like, "Let's notch it back." Okay, let's notch it back again. Um, he won't be there this year, which you know uh, both makes me nervous and makes me remember how fortunate I've been all these years. Um, when you're in an OTQ pack, it's Yes, it's about how you're feeling, but it's not really about how you're feeling. It's like stick with it as long as you can. And there's mm-hmm. guys around you like, I mean, you can see you're like, that person's going to eject in the next backwards in the next two miles. And then they're like, they're just gone, you know? Um, so it's more about like a Zen mind with a pack that's doing most of the sort of collective energy is doing the work. Um, whereas Boston, and I really think you need to, Yo-yo, like I've said, I've run, I've quote unquote run Boston with teammates where they've gone ahead a hundred meters, they've come back, I've gone ahead a little bit, and like we're around each other and we're working together, but we're not always hip to hip because of the undulations and just who feels better at different times. Um, and so, yeah, it it makes me both excited to race other people, like who I want to run with and then also want to beat, and then also. I, but then I'm like, well, don't get caught up in yourself with yourself. Like you have to, you can only run your race. And so that's the, I mean, then that's how I feel. Like it'll be my first race as a master's athlete, which is kind of, when I think about it, it boils back to sort of the, it's almost an eye roll truism about a marathon, which is like, you can really only run your race and then you can try to get tough, like in those final couple miles and like try to gut, gut out more of a performance if you think you see someone you could catch. Um, but man, if you try to like beat anyone in the first 20 miles, it's going to be rough. Can you explain to the listeners what the master's field looks like at Boston as best you understand it at this point? The rest of us are going to start at 9 a.m. You're starting with the elites and other top-ranked <laughs> Masters runners several minutes earlier, so you'll have plenty of a gap before oh. the rest of us try and chase you down. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. But can you can you just kind of give a little context here and help the listeners understand like what the Masters race is yeah. and how it sort of fits into the rest of the elite field? I mean, I wish we could ask this of someone from the BAA and maybe we'll get a chance because I see it from an outside perspective as just the BAA, you know, loving their history and loving their race and then trying to always honor like good runners of different calibers. Um, so I, so rewind two years ago, I was the first person officially out of the elite field. Um, and then in the days leading up, they just emailed me on Thursday, like, Hey, want to join the elite field? Um, some guys dropped out cause there's, you know, always some scratches. So I had the fortune of running as a, 
member of the elite failed. We went through the first kilometer in three minutes and I was in dead last. Like it's just, I mean, it's falling downhill and everyone who's run Boston knows this, but typically you have so many people around you and you're just like trying not to trip. In this case, it was like you're on international TV and then the gun fires and everyone's gone. Um, so then leading into this year, I turned 40 this summer and when I submitted my time, I knew that like I would technically be a master's athlete and if they were it's their choice. They host a master's competition within um, the larger competition. And I figured my time would be like of a competitive to apply. And sure enough, I was invited. So I am technically ranked sixth uh, in the lineup of master's athletes. The first is someone you might know his name, Abdi Abdurrahman, um, <laughs> coming back from being an Olympian. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, I got to talk to Abdi at the awards banquet two years ago, and he's like so encouraging. And I'm like, "You did awesome," and he's like, "No, man, you did great." Like, and I was like, "Thank you for even you know recognizing that I ran the race." Um, but it's it's an honor that they it's like a fun thing that they do um, by putting together this field. I don't totally know the fitness level of the other men involved, but I'm super honored to be a part of it, and I was gonna, I definitely jumped at the opportunity. So I was going to ask if you had any thoughts of declining that invitation and going back to the main field just because you'd be surrounded with more people and likely have more people to work with throughout the race. Yeah, it's a weird – so yeah, two years ago I my friend Patrick had been invited to be part of the elite field and I was on the outside but then got invited last minute and I jumped at the chance to run with him. This year he won't be there. And I thought about just running with the other guys who I know who will be, I mean, I know men who are fitter than me who will be part of the main field. Um, and then those thoughts quickly go out of your mind when you realize, like, you're not going to get invited to the elite field forever. <laughs> right. And um, I don't know how many times I, I'll run Boston. I hope to, you know, run it in many different fitness levels and just like, I appreciate the race so much. I've always said like, I would love to run it at not a PR pace and like really soak it in. Um, I'd love to do it. At, I have some buddies who are like, Oh, you know, in a couple of years when we're all 40, let's all run it together. And I was like, I'd love to do that. Um, I know that, you know, being invited to the technical meeting the day before and then being bust out with some of the best runners in America and from around the world. And then, you know, being let out, by uh, the BAA and then it's just a really cool experience you do end up running a lot of miles alone but I'm a sucker for a crowd I'm a sucker for excitement and so I just figure uh, the crowds will be there for the pros and then they'll be like oh hey some of these guys uh, some stragglers are st still here um, and we got a couple maybe a half hour or so till the other people we know are showing up so we'll cheer for him yeah, and you got no one else around you either. So they're looking at your bib, which has your name on yeah, it. So yeah. they could just be like, "Go Bronco, like, <laughs> yeah. go Bronco." Yeah, I, I think mean, technically, it's... if I wanted to run, like, if all that mattered to me was the best time possible uh, in two weeks, then yes, I'd probably go into the other field and just run with some people who I know who are right around my fitness level. Um, but luckily, I've had fun at Boston a couple times, and I realized like that's not all there is. Like, it's not about only about squeaking out every second. It's about having an awesome experience, and I'm pretty pumped to compete. I mean, I think in the best way possible, when I think about that like last stretch by BU and how 
like horrible it is and how painful it can be to try to like muster. You know, you got like two miles to go and you're like, I just, I just want to be done. Um, my dream would be that there's someone ahead of me and they're, you know, another master's runner that has a number on their back. And I'm like, I got to catch that guy because that's what makes it also super fun. Yeah. It's such a rare opportunity, but such an amazing one that you'd be silly not to take advantage of it. I mean, this is a story that you'll be able to tell certainly after this race, but you know, to your son years from now, maybe your grandkids. I'm just going to hold up my uh, framed Bromka bib from two years ago that I'm like very much, I'm super <laughs> proud, proud of. of. Yeah. I'm so proud of it. Um, I have not hung it up. I'm not quite sure where to hang it yet because I don't think it's a humble brag. I think it's just straight a brag. And so I need to put it somewhere that's not like too obnoxious. <laughs> I feel like that's just got to go right up on your desk, you yeah, know, so yeah. that anyone who's who's looking at you, I mean, we're on video now, not that anyone else could seize that. And yeah. it's like, yep, yeah, that's who I am, man. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, I've just been so... I'm so thankful to, when I think back over the years of, I mean, we talked on, about this last time we chatted, like the progression I've made in the marathon and how much fun it's been. It has led to these different opportunities that you just do because you have your head down and you're like, well, that's the next logical step. And then I've picked my, one of the maybe silver linings of 2020 was the chance to pick my head up and be like, wow, um, those were some amazing experiences. And yes, runners are always asking about like, what's next? What do you got on the calendar? But I also want to appreciate like how many great moments there have been. Well, let's use that as a jumping off point to look back to when you got into the marathon. You took a nice chunk of time away from competitive running after college. And I don't want to butcher the story, but I think it was you and some friends saying, hey, let's go do that. And I believe it was Boston that you were initially aiming toward and you had to qualify first. And yep. I think you had run 250 something maybe to yeah. qualify. I can't remember exactly what, what it was and what year it was. But looking back at that version of yourself at that point of your life, could you have ever imagined looking ahead this many years and being in this position where you've got your name on your bib. You're a part of the elite field at the Boston Marathon. You're one of the top ranked right now, since it's your first race as a 40-year-old, masters runners in one of the world's major marathons. That's so crazy. I mean, I was actually thinking the other day, what I wish I could do, I wish I could run a mile in my body from like 20, the different eras. Like, cause basically I was someone who ran 20 miles a week. Um, and let's say 2012 and then 2013, the Boston bombings happened. And my friends and I said like, we should all try to run 2014. Right. So yeah, ran a marathon, injured my hamstring in the process. Cause it was too much too soon. Um, but recovered. And then I was, I was able to run 240, uh, seven to qualify 241, I think, at Boston 2014. Um, and was just then started this progression of taking on the next goal because my friends wanted to do it. Um, and I remember how it being hard. I mean, I, like I was describing Chicago to you, I ran that in the fall of 2014, ran, uh, 236, uh, broke six minute pace, which was my goal. And I remember being really hard. And so I'm like, I wish I could like, jump back into that body and rem like what did it feel like was it 
um, that my breathing was harder or like my stride was shorter because it's not, it's definitely gotten harder as I've gotten faster. It takes much more focus in each moment, but I also know I'm way more capable. I've, I've often said to people like the, the strength you really want, like isn't even possible in a month or two or three. The strength you really want is like a year or two off if you're interested and willing to pursue that and to uh, commit to that steady progression um, and not try to take kind of like hacks at your, you know, chop away at your fitness really fast. Um, and so it is one of these things that becomes a little self-fulfilling because as I've gotten fitter, it is easier to run those paces and it's more, it's, it's fun to be fit. Um, and so when I think back to some of the jumps I made where I like cut off five minutes and then, mm-hmm. you know, then I, I went to New York and broke that 236 to 234. And then I, you know, came from New, from New York to, um, yeah, to Boston and then to CIM. You know, once I started running CIM, it was like playing with fire. It's like, all right. Um, I called it the, I affectionately, I called it the nerdiest marathon in America because it's like December, um, perfect weather, and you get off the bus. And I'd only been to Boston, been to New York, where you're really surrounded by like all different types of runners. Yes, there's like some some great runners, but you get to CIM and you're like, oh, no one goes to Folsom, California in December unless they're like nerdy. For the and, scenery, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are ready to roll. Um, I have this joke, Ray, that's back when I used to wear a heart rate monitor and I tried to sync my heart rate monitor on the bus and there was like eight different, eight or ten different numbers to choose from and I'm like, oh, everyone here around me is wearing a heart rate monitor. Like this is a super nerdy crowd. Um, I love them all. But um, so it's like I've stepped into it through different experiences. Um, and now that time has passed, actually, it makes me want to, this is part of like going back to Boston, which I've gone to. I, I really want to make it back to New York um, with some of this fitness and to like compete in a really hard race where I wouldn't expect to, you know, break my PR, but would want to like, it's like using those tools in a, in an amazing experience. Um, so yeah, I've, it's a long way of saying I like stepped into it just by kind of looping around one big experience after another. Um, and you know, at some point maybe like marathoning, I don't know if like something else will be able to replicate the excitement that I feel like for major marathons. Um, I mean, after the last time we talked, I had the, I got to Houston and it was only when I got to Houston that I realized what a big deal the Houston marathon is. I was so laser focused on like, okay, there will be a 10 or 12 guys who want to run the OTQ pace and I can sink in with them. And then I got there and it's just this whole celebration of every different type of runner on a scale that's a Texas scale. Um, I mean, I, I recommend it to anyone. It's pretty wild and awesome. Um, so again, like so many different experiences that have just been wonderful. To go further down that road, aside from getting fitter and faster since that qualifying marathon for Boston in 2013, how has your relationship to it evolved over the past eight years? I mean, it's really been, now it's, now it's like inextricably intertwined with my identity, um, which was, it's weird it was weird to have 2020 to sit back and think about um, and, and observe. I, I've even like gone back to my Instagrams from 
the spring of 2020 when we were all trying to make sense of the world and what was happening. And what I see in what I was live processing, posting out to people was like, what am I as a marathoner if marathons aren't happening? And if there's no real reason to go run for two, two and a half hours, if like a a 90 minute run is totally fine. Um, And I know that this is like, it feels silly to say because, you know, like A, there are much more important things going on in the world and B, like that's always been true um, that like, you don't have to go do marathon training. But if you get as wrapped up in it as I had gotten, um, it both like momentum builds and the, the, like the expectation pr- provides that meaning. So it's like when you have a month ahead of you and you're like, well, what do I want to do for training this month? It doesn't really matter. I could do whatever. Um, there was a sadness there and there was a, um, a lacking of something that I had to figure out like what, how to not just basically get depressed because it didn't exist. Because of that, have you felt more fulfilled in the past few months that you have been working toward this goal of Boston? Um, yes, it's been super fun. Um, it's, I've been, I write a lot of pieces and I'm trying to write a piece about how like, sometimes like the, the thesis of my pieces isn't all that profound other. So for this, it would be nothing grander than like the strength is the gift and harnessing that is just incredible. And when you have it, like it, yeah, it's about in pursuit of a good, a good time and a good finish. And yes, it is about the community and all these things, but like, man, being out there and just being able to like shove the pedal down and rev the engine and, fly is amazing um and you know i mean we've talked about it like turning 40 doesn't like instantaneously turn you into an old man and people who are older are like you're still a young gun um but it definitely i look at the guys and girls shuffling by me like in their 60s and 70s and i i just have an appreciation for like okay um i mean some of them i pass they were my age when i was a kid you know i see guys out on the road and i'm like Hey Tom, he's like, oh hey, um, and I'm like, okay, like that. If all goes well, that'll be me in decades, and so I have to maximize like the ability to run hard right now. Bringing the conversation back to this year's Boston Marathon, how do you expect it to feel? Just given that there hasn't been a Boston Marathon since April 2019, that major marathons at least for the masses are coming back for the first time in a while there's all kinds of protocols in place that are going to make the race look and feel a bit different than it has in the past i'd love to get some of your thoughts on that yeah i mean i think when i think about boston i think about the whole weekend and so i think the flying in and seeing people um i've already been messaging with people from all over saying, however, it's safe to see each other and just uh, like would love to get together. That typically was like, oh, let's all pile into the, for instance, the Tracksmith track house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that'll look like uh, if there's a shakeout run, you know, seeing people out, outside and just reconnecting. But that's an important part of the, what the weekend represents to me um, is just all these oftentimes fleeting interactions or meeting people who, um, you know, maybe I've known about, but we've never met in person. 
um, then I'm ready for the race to be, you know, I realized once I got vaccinated, like have a mask on and I'm fine. Um, mostly I'm nervous about being indoors with large groups of people. Um, so for instance, you know, the athletes, um, technical meeting is, was this awe inspiring, like, look at who these professionals are two years ago. Now I'm like, okay, I'll be there, but I'm less thrilled. I would easily do it over zoom if, um, given the option. Cause you know, it's just not about like, I, I basically hung out in the the marathon hotel two years ago and just like introduced myself to all just geeked out and said hello to all sorts of people. Um, and then, I mean, I, I really think I'm hopeful and I, I think we have reason to believe that it'll be, it'll be great. Um, that the fans will come out in force that the fans will like look to the, it's never, there's never been a fall Boston. So we sort of know how people, uh, their traditions for Patriots day. I don't know, you know, um, what the fall tradition will look like exactly, but I'm, I'm pretty, um, I think it's hopefully safe to predict that people of the different, eight different towns are going to come out in force and cheer. And if, if that's true, then I feel like it all translates to the excitement of like the runners will definitely throw down. And if the fans are cheering from, from the little kids to, you know, all the old timers who are like, come on, get tough. Um, to the, I mean, to the college kids, I'm glad it's like during, you know, classes are in session because I imagine it will be a party day just like anything else because I mean like you know there's nothing more hilarious than that like mile 21 and a half you're kind of going by you've passed BC and then I remember I heard a, like a big uproar and I was like oh is that a bunch of fans cheering for me and you look across the T-tracks and just realize like a bunch of BC kids are just partying and they were just screaming <laughs> about like some big drinking game that is and you're like okay yeah like it's as much as my I'm in my own head like it's not about me right now like we just everyone's having fun today and we just need to have a party so like I'm hopeful for that now I will say like when it all ends my favorite part of the marathon is probably like the five or 10 minutes when I'm allowed to still hang out by the finish line. And I just like embrace people. And like, I've met people I've never met before. And I'm just like, no way. Like you ran so well. Um, until inevitably the officials are like, you got to go, like you got to get out of here. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I, I'm hopeful that can be just as much fun. I'm like happy to throw on a mask and, you know, say hi to people. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I echo a lot of, that I have similar anxieties around being indoors around a lot of people. And I think I'll largely be able to avoid that because I don't have to go to an athlete technical meeting. I do have to go to the expo and pick up a number, but I've gotten pretty good at avoiding crowds when I, I need to, but I haven't had to do it at quite this scale in a while. And some of these things are going to be unavoidable. And that definitely causes me a little bit of anxiety. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, my biggest, and I use this adjective intentionally, selfish fear mm. is that it won't feel mm -hmm. like the Boston Marathon. And I am an admitted and biased Homer who grew <laughs> up in the area. Um, as I said earlier, like the Boston Marathon is the first running race that ever, you know, captured my attention and imagination. Um, and I have very like 
high expectations yes. for it and like what I expect it to feel like when I'm in the city race weekend and especially when I'm in Hopkinton and not having the athletes village and the traditional wave start where you get into your corral. I mean, my favorite moment of the race, and I wrote about this in my oh, newsletter yeah, yeah. this past week, is the exact opposite of yours. My favorite moment of the race is the two minutes right before the gun starts. I thought that was very and, um, wonderful uh, ability to be in the moment and appreciate. Yeah, and being in that corral because you're around everyone else who's going to do the same exact thing as you. There's a lot of nervous energy and excitement. You've got people kneeling down, like peeing because they're so nervous. You've got other people like whooping it up. You've got people like, you know, ripping their totally uh, sweats off. And then you're waiting for the countdown. And like, just talking about it now, like, oh. I, can, I, I can really like just feel the hair standing <laughs> up on the back of my neck. Like that's, that's my favorite moment. Okay. And when the gun fires and we go, I mean, even when you're at the very front in Corral A, it's still a very slow start. You know, you're yeah, kind of like shuffling and baby. Yeah, you're kind of baby stepping your way off the line, trying not to get trampled. And I know for a lot of people that causes them anxiety. And for me, I'm like, that's part of it. Um, that's part of the experience of Boston. You've got to learn how to navigate that. And those those little things are at this point, what I'm trying to get over at this point, because I need to, because they're just not going to be there, and be I understand why. We, I understand why we can't do those things. It'll be different, but for me, like that's the stuff that kind of gets me excited and fuels me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to get that. So okay. how can I harness the energy of the day and the people around me who are about to do the same thing in a different way, so that I can have the experience that I've come to expect out of Boston? I I do think once we get going and where along the course, people are going to be out. Um, yeah. People love this race. They've loved this race for 125 years at this point. So I expect that anyone who wants to come out and watch the Boston Marathon is going to come out and watch the Boston Marathon. And I hope it can be this 26.2 mile celebration of it returning and yeah. the athletes getting this opportunity, but the fans also having something to get excited about, especially in those small towns that we will pass through early on. And especially as we get closer to the city and Boston college and, oh. and all of that. I mean, I, I hope it's, I hope it's safe, but I also hope it's just wild and crazy. Yeah. I mean, well. I'm a, I get mocked by some of my peers because I, there's like a, sort of unspoken etiquette that if you're running like as fast as me and some of my peers are that like you're you shouldn't be like gesturing to the crowd <laughs> i've like you've been known to like put my hand to my ear like is that all you got bc um which is just so much fun because you know like it where i'm running it's like fairly thin and they typically think like well these guys don't care about us like we're just here for the guys like who the men and women who are coming up the, the masses and get them going but i'm like wait what was that can i hear you and they just go nuts and like you know it's so fun that's actually a good point i hadn't thought of that my last couple experiences at boston i finally let myself go a bit in that regard i used to be almost too serious for mm -hmm. my own good just dialed head down nope this is what i gotta do and the last couple times I ran Boston, I was like, no, I've got to feed off of this crowd and this energy. I mean, they want it. Like, yeah. this is what they're here for. And you've got to use that to your advantage. And for me, going through Wellesley, I won't 
kiss anyone on the sideline <laughs> or tag hands. But I do like throw yeah. my hands up and try to get a rise out of the crowd because they like making noise. Yeah. And by Boston College or oh. along some of the other areas of the course where people are just hanging over the rails, I'll be high-fiving people. And I'm like, I probably can't do that this year. I probably shouldn't do that. You know, maybe don't at, least the high-fiving, at least the high-fiving part. But um, yeah, yeah I, hadn't, I hadn't quite thought of that too. Like, yeah, one of my favorite. Your, you got to be your own noisemaker in some ways. Yeah, I'm hopeful that the – that I yeah, yeah I am definitely hopeful that it'll be it. It is a holiday and that the crowds will come out. My favorite, another favorite moment is when you're going around the BC Res. So you hit split twenty two and then you fall mm-hmm. downhill and so you know it's kind of curling to the right and then it almost feel, it always feels like the fans are like leaning out over the the barrier because they're like trying to see further down the course and so um, you have a little more oxygen going downhill and they're just going nuts and it's like a chance to take a deep breath before you're like okay these last four miles are gonna hurt so as much as I can possibly hurt and so it's like a moment to just try to take in their energy I agree I mm-hmm. I definitely um, I gain something from them being there and that's what's been missing for a year and a half and so I'm super and, and that's why honestly like there was a lot of races that have happened in in different formulas over the last year that I really respected that people wanted to run measured loops and that race directors were working their ass off. But I was like, just not something I need. Like I can, um, I'm going to wait till the big races are back. A couple more questions before we wrap this one up for you. What would a great day be on October 11th? I mean, so I got, (laughs) I always say, like I want a PR uh, for the for the course I ran, but then as I got into training this summer, it's like it was a very rude awakening to just how fit I was uh, two years ago. Um, so it's it's just so easy to like wave at your own actions in hindsight and be like, yeah, 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 I just did what was you know expected. I did. Um, I had come off of running 219.40 and then after like the holiday season, we went right back into training and I've gone back and looked at the Strava uh, training log from the spring, winter spring of 2019 and my teammates and I just like crushed every single workout. And so then going into Boston, I, I was nervous because I knew how fast my teammates wanted to run and I wasn't even sure if I could keep up with them. And then I got moved up to the elite field and yada, yada, yada. It was kind of a humid day. I ran 223.09. And I still look back at that as like, not, I'm super proud of the time, but I'm more like, well, yeah, that's how it all played out. Um, that's what came. Now I look at the time as like, you know, trying to race your own ghost and being like, Jesus, how, how the hell did I do that? How did I do that? Yeah. Right. Um, and I think I sent, I sent my teammates, um, again, my teammate Chris, who's running, I sent him my splits because I think he can run those splits or faster, uh, for sure. But it's a, it's, I both want to run within myself. And then my, I mean, it's weird to say it out loud. Like, I would love to finish on the podium as a Masters, um, which is just to say that, like, I'd love to have a great day and let the chips fall where they may. Um, there are guys like Abdi who clearly, if they, you know, finish a race in, in their zone, will beat me. There's other guys who I've, you know, you start to look at, uh, up their times and think, well, um, it's the beauty of the marathon. Like, some of these guys are objectively better runners than me, um, but. Think crazy things happen in the marathon, and as long as I keep my head straight, um, I have a shot at you know passing them. Uh, we shall see. So it's not the type of thing where you're like calling a shot and trying to 
um, go after anyone in particular, but it is saying like, okay, uh, like I would love to beat some people. And then obviously to do that, it requires a great deal of self-awareness to stay in the right zone and not, but not be afraid to go after, um, go after the times. I mean, my Boston 2019 was the first time I DM Tommy ribs. And he said, I said, Hey man, looks like you're not in the elite field either. Like, but I know we both want to like rip this one. Like you, you got to head out with me and the other guys. And he's like, um, I'll never forget. He said, okay. He's like, let's go get those cake eaters, <laughs> which was his way of saying, like, if I'm not going to be in the elite field, I'm going to track them down. But I mean, Tommy just like, I've gone deep on his racing history over the last two years and just seen how many times he raced, how many times he went to the well, like, Every time he raced, he pretty much was just like, this is a beautiful day to just crush. Um, so he was not afraid to say, like, you know, I want to go out in like 70 flat and then see if I can negative split. Um, which I, for it's like narrator voice. For those of you scoring at home, negative splitting <laughs> Boston is extremely hard, especially if you've gone out in 70. Um, but so, I mean, stuff like that level sets for me that you, you can't leave. If you really want to hit the course, you can't leave too much meat on the bone early. You got to like look at it as okay. I might not feel great, um, but it's a downhill. Sorry to say it fully. Uh, I think if you ran the first half of Boston and stopped, your your legs wouldn't feel perfect because you'd you would have fallen uh, several hundred feet. You'd kind of feel like, huh, I'm a little more beat up than I ordinarily would feel after a 13 miler. Um, so Boston requires doing that in order to make use of the downhills and then running another half marathon if you really want to attack it. So yeah, I mean, my like, sort of like short goal would be try to place on the podium as a master and try to PR. Now, all that really requires is like sort of the setup and then just getting tough. I love it. What's the one thing that you're most looking forward to about this year's race? Oh, um, I mean, when I, when we talked earlier about what I'm nervous about, it was about getting the right mindset for, say, like the second quarter of the race. Because what I, when I think about the race, my mind drifts to like turning the corner at the firehouse. And I, even as I say that, I'm like, don't wish for that. Like, that's horrible. Like, when you turn the corner at the firehouse, like, (laughs) you have just written a huge check that like you got to figure out if you can cash it. Um, but, then again, like it all, it rolls back from that. Like, okay, make sure you still have legs to run on um, when you make that turn. Because um, I think of like, you make that turn and you start going uphill and then, and then it's just working through like the two miles uphill, the one mile flat, the two miles uphill, the one mile flat. And then, yeah, like cresting at heartbreak um, is like, the greatest feeling. Um, it's quickly followed by like, holy shit, I have to work really hard. But it, it's just an incredible, incredible feeling. So it's trying, for me, it's trying not to get too emotional. Um, I've had some, about some of the moments that could unfold. Um, I've written about like being from Tufts. I've had teammates like right, right before the crest of heartbreak, like cheering, like, let's go Tufts. Um, which, you know, is just like brings back that competitive collegiate, uh, fire in you. And it's just like, it makes it so much fun. It makes it what it's all about. So those are the things I look forward to, but in pursuit of like trying to string them all together, man, you're getting me fired up. <laughs> I'm curious, like, so you got your guys, um, that 
do you have people that you know you want to run with? And like, how are you thinking about like setting yourself up? So I know of a few folks who have similar qualifying times to me. I pushed, I put a call out in oh, my yeah. newsletter this past week um, for anyone who is going there to try and run under 230 because I believe I'm in that kind of shape. I don't know how far under 230 I would be, but I've had this goal since I ran my first Boston Marathon in 2008 to be sub 230 and or top 50. And oh. back then, if you broke 230, there was a good chance that you were going to be top 50. That's not exactly the case today. Things have gotten a bit more competitive and a little bit deeper, but I'd love to do one of those two things. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll put it out here. If you are on the 715 bus out of Boston, because that is going to dictate when we get across the start line and you have your eye on trying to break 230. I'm easy enough to find <laughs> on the internet. Just Mario at the morning shakeout.com. Send me an email. Let's try and link up and work together because I do have a little anxiety about the rolling start because I heard Dave McGilvery talking about it. Mm-hmm. And essentially, we're going to get off the bus and there's no like set gun that we have to be on the start line for. Mm-hmm. We get off the bus, we use the bathroom get a snack if we need it, warm up, and then when you're ready, you go. Mm. And they want to keep this flow going so that they can create space. So it's going to be on us to sort of group up with those who are on our bus have similar qualifying time. So I think some of that's just going to happen organically. It might even be harder as I think about it to try and coordinate beforehand because who knows if we'll be on the actual same bus or if we'll find each other in Hopkinton. But if you're listening to this and you have designs on going under 2.30, look for me. I'm going to be riding that train for as long as I can. And I would love to walk away from Boston with a, a course personal best, much like yourself and or a top 50 finish, which is out of my control. Yeah, so, that's excellent. We shall see. Yeah, I mean, those those packs are wonderful. I've gotten the chance to be part of those, like the 219 pack, but then years ago I paced with a friend at the 245 pace and just like such camaraderie around uh, those paces. And you can even find them, you know, after, it doesn't have to start, happen right at the start. You know, I've, I, I've I've kind of rolled up to packs and realized oh this is who I'm running with today um, and so hopefully that people I'm hopeful different pe- people at different paces will be able to find those groups. Yeah, I think it will happen organically in the moment. I need to keep reminding myself of that because I have this thought of running 26.2 miles by myself, which I mean could happen, but it's not likely the way that they're busting us out. So I just need to sort of, you know, get over that, get myself an appropriate pack, find the mm-hmm. right people to work with, and hopefully we can push one another to great races. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and then I think it's the perfect race. I just think of Boston as like the perfect race to come back to racing. Um, I actually signed up for CIM for this winter, just as a, we'll see, like just wanted the option, you know, like I don't, I have no real designs on it quite yet but um it's like you see des is signed up for boston new york um and i'm like super inspired by people who are like let's just let's just like have two servings of dessert this fall oh i'm i'm laughing because i'm i'm the exact opposite which probably comes as no surprise to anyone listening to this after the earlier part of our conversation but i'm already at the point where i'm like 
I want this to go as well as possible. I'm going to do everything that I can to have the best race possible, and then I am not touching the marathon for a long, long time, if sense. ever. Yes. Again, I say that now, but I know. Um, that's just the mile. That's just the miler in me talking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I turn 40 next year. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? I, I'm going back to the track, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to run cross country. I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, the marathon. Yeah, it's it's there. It's not going anywhere. If I want to go back to it, I can. But. Um, and this is a, a total aside from our Boston Marathon yeah, conversation, yeah. but I'm excited to turn 40 and to compete as a master's runner, but I want to do it at the shorter distances okay. because I feel like it's a fresh start. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I will be in open races and I'll be racing you know, high school and college kids at some open track meets here in the Bay Area to hit marks, but if I go to a national championship or I, I really want to run in the new balance, Boston indoor games oh, yeah. masters mile. Yes. Um, I mean, you're, you're against guys your age who, unless you're racing like an Abdi, like you mentioned earlier, or like a Bernard Lagat who <laughs> like hasn't slowed down all that much. Like things kind of get leveled out a little yeah. bit. Um, I've, I've been messaging with some former college rivals of mine who are 40 or turning 40 soon. And we're like, Hey, let's rekindle some of those rivalries from, you know, the early two thousands and, and have at it, you know, when we're 40 plus, um, because, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah. Like it'll, you know, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. So, um, that'll be awesome. You know, I want to see you in, uh, uh, in, at BU on the bank track, just ripping. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love indoor track. Yeah. I mean, um, my personal best are all on that BU indoor track. <laughs> I would love to go back there, put some spikes on and run fast, but that'll have to wait until after Boston. Yeah. Well, Peter Bromka, this has been super fun. Yeah. I hope to see you Boston weekend. I wish you all the best. Anyone listening to this who would like to track him, I don't believe he has a number yet since he's in the elite <laughs> field. Just put Peter Bromka into the tracker. Yeah. If you want to see what I'm up to on race day, I am bib number 334. You can put that into your tracker. So keep an eye on both of us Monday, October 11th at the Boston Marathon. Peter Bromka, uh, super fun. Thanks again for coming back on the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to the Morning Shakeout Podcast. A big thank you to both Runderwear and Precision Hydration for sponsoring this episode of the show. Runderwear's mission is to eliminate the discomfort caused by ill-fitting underwear and to create seamless performance running underwear, basewear, bras, and socks that are supremely comfortable, moisture-wicking, and chafe-free. Take a look at runderwear.com and use the code TMS20, that's capital T, capital M, capital S, 2-0 for 20% off at checkout. The folks at Precision Hydration are experts in helping you nail and customize your nutrition and hydration strategy for training and racing. I've been a devotee to their products for the past four years, and my last few marathons wouldn't have gone as well without them. Go to precisionhydration.com and take their free online sweat test or use the quick carb calculator to get a personalized hydration or nutrition strategy to test in training. As a listener of the show, you can get 15% off your first order by using the code TMS15, that's capital T, capital M, capital S, 15 when checking out. You can even book a free 20-minute video call with them to ask any questions that you have about hydration and fueling for your next event couple more things before we wrap up. I'd like to give a shout out as always to my longtime producer, John Summerford, who makes every episode of the podcast sound clear and amazing. Also, thank you to Jeffrey Stern for running the AM Shakeout social media accounts and Chris Douglas for handling sponsorship sales. 
Last thing, if you are digging this podcast, I think you'll love my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout, and you can subscribe to it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. Every Tuesday morning, you'll get my take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to. It's a quick read, five, 10 minutes tops, but it will give you plenty to think about throughout the rest of the week. Again, you can sign up to receive it at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. Okay, that's it. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. (laughs) 